0: We're here for a reason. We're here to do things that we ourselves chose to do. And our misfortune has meaning. Our illnesses have meaning. That doesn't mean you just sit passively by and just accept everything. Oh, well, that's your lot and uh, you're stuck with it and whatever. It's given to you to allow you to transform it, to spin this straw into gold, to change your life
1: in today's busy world how can we find the inspiration knowledge and energy to live a healthy and empowered life if we balance and harmonize our mind exercise our body live according to the laws of nature and connect to spirit can we find a way to heal become our authentic self and live our purpose with love i am your hostess amy Fournier, and welcome back to awakening aphrodite all right. So let's tell people a little bit of a foundation. Can you please explain what photobiomodulation is?
2: Photobiomodulation means light controlling biology, basically. It's the use of red and near-infrared light to heal damaged and degenerate tissue and to reoptimize function of healthy tissue and healthy cells. In the research, it's being used for treatment now for really almost everything from autoimmune issues to neuro- neuropathic issues to osteoarthritic pain, just joint pain and muscle pain to inflammation related issues like people who have leaky gut. Light therapy is an immune modulator. It makes your immune system work better. And so all that to say that light is such a huge thing. It's not just a peripheral aspect of our lives. It's a central aspect of our lives that we really need to take seriously. So what is good light then? It's very simply the light that we get in nature. So all of that is called incandescent light. And that's what we use to power our sauna technology and our our light therapy lamps so the photon light is a light heat therapy device it is heating the cells locally uh, if you use it in a targeted fashion but you can also just have it next to you like a firelight it has a correcting effect on your light environment it's bringing in the near infrared that you're missing indoors it cancels out blue light and flickering light from your your overhead leds and from your screens too so it's Really helpful for screen fatigue. Ultimately, it's just like a little bonfire right next to you.
1: Wow, you can save with my coupon code if you decide to get any of these products. You can just buy a photon light, which is basically one of the big red bulbs, which is gorgeous and beautiful. And I use them as night lights. I use them uh, just all the time, like uh, to help with my mood. I have one right here shining on me on my desk. You will not regret it. You will love it. You can use my coupon code at checkout to save some money, which always helps. FitAmyTV5. All this is on my website under my recommended products e-store. Now let's get back to the show. I'm here with my friend, Wade Lighthart from Biooptimizers, which is my favorite supplement company. You know, all supplements are certainly not created the same. You always got to consider the source and quality, which is why I use Bioptimizers every day. And Wade, you want to just share with us what makes your company unique from other supplement companies? Well,
2: we're one of the few companies that actually has a research team. I think we're up to 19 PhDs and master students who do a continuous barrage of tests, The second thing is um, Matt and I, the co founders of the company, we come from the exercise and nutrition industry. And long ago, we decided that we were going to build a company based on the mission, not on the margin, and that we would de risk any supplement purchase by someone. In other words, if a product that someone selects didn't actually work for them, we just give them their money back. And we have I think the lowest refund rates in the entire industry. And I can say that with confidence because we care about people, we want the products to work, and we also want people to continue to experiment with their health. And we're grateful when people take our products and we wanna make that experience uh, an extraordinary one from customer service to the product, to the efficacy, to how to take it, and of course, to de-risk it.
1: I love it. And that's exactly why I use them every day and why you're so successful because they work and you're a company with heart and soul. So thank you so much, Wade. And everybody, you can check it out. Enter code F 10 to save 10% and uh, let me know what you think. Welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. This show is about helping you to be healthy and fit in mind, body, and spirit, as well as harmonize your masculine and feminine energy, tap into your intuition, your true source of power, and awaken your authentic self. I am so thrilled to have back repeat guest for a third time because this guy has got so much deep important knowledge. I just had to have him back on the show again. Third time is a charm indeed. My guest today is Rudy Verspoor. We talk about the role of the great polarities in life, the masculine and feminine concept, the principle the essence, the two complementary forces in life. I really hope you heard Rudy's two prior episodes on Awakening Aphrodite because you're not going to want to miss them. Why? Because he drops so much important truth bombs on us that we need to know to understand. On his first appearance, episode 175, we talk about energetic healing, not just the physical body. We need to understand the different levels of body healing to really truly heal at the causal level, not just the symptom level. And we also talk about homeopathy, really what is it, or what was it supposed to be at its essence? Then Rudy came back for a second time, episode 184, where we talk about karma, destiny, reincarnation, like you never heard it before, and how we deal with the challenges that we have in life, that our soul apparently signed up for, things that are painful and traumatic, like dealing with abandonment wounds and issues. I asked Rudy all the questions that hopefully you'd want to know too, and Rudy delivers the answers. That's episode 184. And today, Rudy is back to talk about the big kahuna, the great polarities in life. Rudy takes it back to the beginning for us with spiritual science and how, as it's written in scripture, it says in the beginning, there was basically the great polarities. So that everything started with the great polarities in every bit of ancient text we can find. Rudy also shares with us, there's actually no mention of Eve in the original story of creation and that Adam was actually a term, ADM, not a human man as an Adam, as a name. It was actually a spiritual essence of consciousness. This is just a fascinating, fascinating insight and discussion. You really got to listen to it because it really takes things in a whole different direction as to the origin of creation of consciousness of the masculine and feminine essence. It's a whole different spin on it. I can't wait for you to hear it. We also talk about why human beings have a desire to to mate, to find a partner. This drive that a lot of people have to kind of find their other half, their twin flame. What is that all about? And we talk about the search to be whole and how we become a whole person. What you need to know about the law of attraction and how it's different from the law of resonance, what's going on now and how, what's actually happening now in the gender confusion and gender wars and all this merging of, of sexuality, what's happening with the masculine and feminine conflict in the world. How the more healthy you are, the more you're able to separate between illusion and delusion and reality, as well as the more capable you are to know who you are. So the healthier you are enables you to really self-actualize. Fascinating stuff. And Rudy shares with us what he thinks the common problem is with the natural health and functional medicine field and the conventional medicine field what he thinks both of them are doing wrong. And we talk about how we can raise up the feminine mind concept, both in ourselves and the world. Barriers that are preventing us from connecting to the feminine mind and the fe- feminine spirit. How increasing kundalini power can also increase our generative power. And if you don't know what generative power is, you gotta check out episode 175 with Rody. He explains the whole thing. And I ask Rudy, I just put him right on the spot and say, okay, give us your definition of the masculine feminine principles. And how are we going to know when we get that ratio right within ourselves? Rudy gives us the number one sign that we can know that we're connected to our true self, not our program self, but our true self. And lastly, how there actually aren't really atheists in the world, but what they are instead. And how a lot of people go through a period of not knowing before they become Gnostic and knowing. Really fascinating stuff. So look, friends, strap on your seatbelt for this one because this one's deep. This one's really, really, really deep. But I know you're going to love it. I know you're going to appreciate it because that's what this show's about. Giving you stuff that you probably aren't exposed to in other avenue, which I don't know for the life of me, why not? Because it's, there's really nothing more important. This is really explaining what it's all about to help us self-actualize and to tap into all of our being, all of our layers, all of our potential to be more empowered. That's what I'm here for. So if you love it awesome let me know subscribe share it with someone else you think it might help so we can be partners in this thing to help elevate the consciousness and the love in the world that's what i'm here for and if you want to help me leave a review i would be super indebted share the show and you can check out all my favorite products on my website which is amyfornier.com. and there's coupon codes there, which can help you save a couple bucks. You're going to find all the things that I personally use myself all the time and love, which is why they're there. Okay. Let's now join for the third and final appearance on Awakening Aphrodite, Mr. Rudy Verspoor. Welcome back, everybody. I'm back with Rudy. Rudy, thank you. Third time is a charm, I'm sure.
0: Well, I hope so. I certainly (laughs) appreciate your inviting me back. Um, You had wanted to talk about a topic which I said really deserved its own session, as it were. It's a big topic uh, for many reasons, but um, I have to kind of preface it by saying that... um, this topic, you know, you're not going to hear any of this from uh, conventional sources, basically, with some exceptions, and I'll mention those. But by and large, this is um, knowledge and wisdom that's coming from what we tend to call uh, spiritual science, uh, bolstered by, you know, natural science. But if you stick with the sensory world, then you end up with a world that doesn't make a lot of sense Um, strangely enough ironically a sense world doesn't make a lot of sense but it's really uh an important topic in order to get to the meaning of what life is all about and in particular this whole masculine feminine thing because of course that's in essence we could say what drives the world for many of us Um, basically one of the important things to realize is that we're living in a world of evolution. And again, this is something that, uh, unless you've kind of uh, read uh, works by Rudolf Steiner and others uh, about this, um, but the evolution is such that we're on a journey and and you can actually find this set out in scripture and scripture is actually a manual for for life it's not just a religious document if you really study it it's a manual for life which means that we're starting a journey and we're going somewhere there is a purpose to this journey and everything that we're going to go through on this journey is laid out in in scripture if you can read it correctly and we're told in the beginning in Genesis because that's the first words in English anyway in Genesis, in the beginning, um, that the world is consists of polarities. So heaven and earth, as it says, but it's really the expansive power and the compressive power, light and dark, um, uh, up and down, uh, masculine, feminine, all of that is built in from the very beginning because that's how the world works. Without polarities, nothing would move. You can't have electricity moving unless you have a positive negative pole. So, the only way you have a world where things evolve is because you have polarities. Nighttime, daytime, beauty and ugliness, uh, you know, warmth and cold. We live in those polarities. So, the big polarity um, that is mentioned in scripture is the so-called masculine feminine one because it's tied into evolution in a very powerful way one with respect to our creative generative power and two with respect to our capacity to understand to know So that we could say that cognition and cohesion are really just different poles of the same issue. And it has to do with creation, with generation. So in the beginning, we're told, and unfortunately here we're up against a big problem because everybody knows the story of, so the seems, the story of Adam and Eve. And Yet the strangest thing is, when I researched this and going back into the ancient uh, Biblical Hebrew, um, I found a way to read the Hebrew, Um, there's no mention of Eve in uh, prior to the, uh, we could say, the being kicked out of the Garden of Eden. So, where did this come from? Well, it's a long story, but the, the short of it is that Adam is not a guy, Adam is a unit of mind and consciousness. And it, we are told explicitly that God created them and they were male and female or masculine and feminine. So Adam, not a guy, is this mind, unit of mind and consciousness that c- contains both the masculine and the feminine energy. This unit of mind and consciousness is what goes on this journey. Now, in order to go on this journey, it's a bit like a child that is born and lives in a family and everything's taken care of. But one day, as my mom used to tell me, one day I'm going to kick you out of here. I mean, she meant it nicely, but she was basically saying, you're going to be on your own. You're not going to live here forever. I didn't understand that, I, you know, but when time came to leave, I understood, you know, I have to go live my own life. So this is what Scripture, what Genesis tells us, is that we're effectively kicked out of the spiritual world into the this earthly creation of polarities. And as a result of that, um, we are no longer entirely connected to the spiritual world. And we're also um, increasingly having to make decisions for ourselves. However, without something specifically happening, we would not have any ability to think for ourselves. And that has to do with our generative power. And so this capacity for creation that exists in Adam had to be split. And so this is the story of the creation of male and female in physical form. So this is a long story, mind you, but that's in essence, what happened is that we got split from ourselves. So we are Adam, you know, we have to get rid of this idea. Adam's a guy, unfortunately, because some guys are called Adam, you know, we're kind of stuck on that idea. But ADM, which is the characters in the biblical Hebrew, is not about a guy. It's about a unit of mind and consciousness. And this unit of mind and consciousness splits in order to have the capacity to think, in order to have the capacity to uh, experience the polaric world, So you're kicked out of the womb of the so-called Garden of Eden. And we go on a journey, both parts of ourselves. So this is why we have this tremendous need to find in any given incarnation, this tremendous need to find the other. We're always looking for the other. Now, if you are a physical female, In this incarnation, you're looking for the physical male in this incarnation or the representation of it because that other part of you is undertaking a journey and you're going to your paths are going to cross through all these incarnations at different levels depending on your degree of consciousness. And everybody that you meet is. In any karmic significant way, and we talked last time about karma, um, is a representation of the other, the other part of you that you're looking for. You know, you've lost yourself, and you're looking for yourself. So no wonder we often feel lost because we're not completely whole. Now we are promised that in the end we will be made whole, of course, and as we have gone through this whole journey, we will uh, join our other part, but both of us will have evolved through this process. So now, so we have a physical separation between male and female. So that's what drives this this romantic story, you could say, Uh, but it's a strange one because Plato Uh, famously wondered how men and women could ever get along because they're so different. You know, how how is that possible? He just didn't understand it. But there's a powerful attraction or resonance is a better way of putting it, simply because we're missing this other part. And if you're missing this other part, you you want to find it. So we're always searching for the other. And whatever the stand-in in in a given incarnation and a given time in an incarnation of that other is, then we need to connect that. So that's one split. The other split, actually, strangely enough, and and this was discovered by the uh, early psychologists, including uh, Dr. Freud, at the end of the 19th or 20th century, is that inside of us internally we are masculine and feminine so we are a combination of masculine and feminine if we're feminine physically in our physical body we are masculine in our what we call our etheric or dynamic body so our energy is feminine but oh, sorry masculine but our physical body is feminine now we need that polarity in order for energy to flow. Without that, there'd be no flow of energy. And the opposite, if you're a physical male, then your etheric body is feminine. So we have a split. Now, In let's just say it's a 60-40 split uh, on either side. So 60% you know, female physical body, 40% male etheric body and vice versa, then we need to uh, get to uh, a transference of energy. So this is a a very complex story, it's like a four-way transfer. So my, let's say, if you and I are in a relationship, my physical masculine energy in the physical body, manifested in the physical male features, uh, needs to connect with the uh, feminine physical body on your side. Okay, that's very clear, we know about that. But the same is true about the etheric, that my feminine etheric body needs to enter into a kind of intercourse with the uh, masculine etheric body on your side. So we have a kind of a four-way exchange of energy and information going on here, Um, and this is what makes things so complex, because if I say that 60-40 is the ideal ratio, because there is a ratio that that is, you know, you could say uh, laid down by nature and spiritual law, Um, we're not generally there because we're not whole. We haven't completely evolved in mind and consciousness. So we're off center. It's like uh, driving a car and your spark plug doesn't spark at the right time and you get knocking in your engine and, you know, you have to fix that. So we're always a little bit off, but the whole search is to find this relationship that is able to increasingly balance the, um, uh, these polarities. And, and as I say, we're, there's four, There's a four-way relationship going on here. Uh, it gets complex. Now, it gets even more complex, of course, if we go back to the lecture last time about karma, is we're carrying all this karma. So, one side of Adam, this mind of un- unity, uh, sorry, a unit of mind and consciousness has gone on a journey and acquired a certain amount of karma, negative, positive. And the other side of this mind of unit, uh, unit of mind and consciousness has gone on a journey and acquired a certain amount of karma. So when we get together in our incarnational representations, we're carrying a lot of baggage. And we know that, you know, let's say you grow up in a certain family context and, uh, you know, on the wrong tracks, or let's say, or, you know, you grew up in a certain area and uh, you meet someone who's from another area. And uh, let's say there's blood ties and feuds going on there. This all has to be settled and adjusted in a relationship. So the problem is, is that we've been sold. A story of romance that unfortunately is superficial. So if you really want to understand the deeper story of romance, you need to study the mythical story of Tristan and Isolde. And uh, it's in a play form, it's in movie form, it's in uh, operatic form, I believe, but it's a it's an amazingly complex love story. So is Romeo and Juliet, Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Why do we keep, you know, reading it and putting it on and plays and, uh, and making movies of Romeo and Juliet? You think by now there'd be nothing more to say. It's because all truth and reality is incredibly complex. And every time you read Romeo and Juliet or watch a, a movie presentation of Romeo and Juliet, you get something else out of it. It's what Christ called the living waters. You can never thirst if you're drinking from the living waters, that is the truth. And so this is the real romantic story, is how do these two parts of one entity, one unit, how do they uh, navigate this incredibly complex process of threading the needle, you could say? So we, we can't view relationships as some kind of starry-eyed, uh, live happily ever after. That's the kind of modern, simplistic version. The deeper version is that all resonant relationships, and by resonant I mean relationships that were meant to have because the energy resonates, it's like, I just know I'm meant to be with that person. Now, that's not based on attraction. You know, we, A lot of people talk about the law of attraction. Well, the law of attraction is about superficial things. We used to marry, and still do in many ways, for superficial outer appearances. This in scripture is called um, uh, mamam or glamour, you could say. You know, it's it's either money, power, prestige or, you know, some material gain that's to be achieved by. So we had marriages of convenience, you know, it's you married because, especially the upper class, you married because, well, it was a good fit and socially it was desirable and the families would become more powerful. And now we supposedly got rid of that. And now it's just about who you love. And this infuses all the movies, even historical movies, They're all talking about love, you should marry for love. Well, two or three hundred years ago, nobody married for love. But that's what they talk about because that's what we resonate with. The problem, however, is that most of the time we're driven by the law of attraction because of our ego, our false ego. And so well he's so handsome and she's so beautiful and uh, you know uh, she's got a wonderful body and he's a hulk of a man and uh, he has uh, sports cars and uh, a big job and he's an important person and uh, you feel good beside him or her you know we see this all the time right and this is the law of attraction now the law of resonance has nothing to do with ego, has nothing to do with outer things, it has to do with karmically, i meant to be with this person. Now, meant to be with this person resonantly is such that you go beyond the outer appearances and you get into a soul quality, you get into an energetic quality that you could say is, uh, in a sense, a love for the ages. You know, people, I used to know an older couple like this, and they were in as love in their 80s as they, you know, were when they were younger. Is quite remarkable to see. But each relationship that is resonant consists of a polarity between consonance and dissonance. So consonance is the part we like oh, everything works well and we're happy and you know we're dancing together, we're not tripping over each other's feet. And dissonance is the product of the karma that everyone you come into contact with, as we discussed last time, is designed to bring something out in you that needs to be addressed. So if you have a truly resonant partner they're going to call you on your BS, as they would say in the United States, okay, they have a good BS meter and a truly loving partner does that and it's able to survive that because of the resonance. You're not offended, your ego may be damaged and uh, you know the lust are taken off, but you're not offended deeply because the resonance is there. It's, it's done out of love, not out of control or to demean someone or gain more status or, you know, all the ego, vanity issues. So those kinds of relationships can be difficult, but they are the relationships you find in articles that um, try to explain why some couples can fight and stay together and other couples fight and they break up. And it's not that they fight, it's that they struggle through the dissonance. But if it's a resonant relationship and resonance means it's a love relationship in the true sense, not, not a false, you know, superficial sense, because that's what resonance means. Love and resonance are exactly the same word. Um, If it's a resonant relationship, based on this love impulse that drives the universe, you know, the old saying love makes the world go round. Um, Then it will withstand the dissonance and result in a greater consonance, a greater level of um, harmony, you could say, but also the the partners grow through this process. You grow in mind and consciousness. And so the, the relationship is constantly reinventing itself, constantly creative and in a, in a sense, co-creative. So that is the, the big challenge. Now, um, the difficulty we face right now is that this whole concept of masculine and feminine, Is being challenged, you could say. Okay. So, what does this have to do with? Well, this has to do with the astral body. Okay. Now, the astral body is the body of emotion, it's kind of roughly equivalent to the soul. And the soul contains both masculine and feminine forces or qualities in there. And in the past, the harmony between the masculine and feminine qualities was held together by the higher spiritual forces that were guiding us. So thousands of years ago, we were guided by higher spiritual forces. We didn't really think for ourselves. In fact, the concept of self didn't emerge until about four or 500 years ago. Before there, there was no self. <laughs> you were part of a family. You defined yourself by family, tribe, ethnicity, geography, whatever. Um, and, but roughly around the time of the first scientific revolution uh, in the 1600s, 1500s, 1600s, Um, this concept of self emerged, And so we suddenly uh, start looking at ourselves objectively and we start thinking of ourselves as an individual. And that's also the beginning of the withdrawal of the spiritual forces. Why? Because just like as you become a teenager and get older, your parents start to withdraw all the things they do for you or demand or supply because they're trying to teach you if they're she'd be independent. So and eventually they pull back, okay, you're on your own. Now that doesn't mean they're gone, they're always there to a certain extent, but they you now have to undertake the journey on your own that you can learn on your own, because this is something you have to figure out for yourself. You can't depend on your parents, your whole life whatsoever. So the conflict between the masculine and the feminine in the astral body at this time in our evolution is being opened up for transformation. And this is what in, uh, Rudolf Steiner calls the um, transformation into the spirit self. So this is a, um, a transformation of the astral body into a higher functioning body. But as a result of our own efforts, okay? we become more spiritual. And in the meantime, we have to figure this out for ourselves. So what we get is a lot of confusion. And that's what you see around you, you know, and and this confusion is um, part of the process of trying to figure out who we are. Before we were just, it was just given uh, either uh, culturally or biologically. Now the biology is still there. But what's not there anymore is the uh, the soul feeling of gender, okay? Because remember, inside each person, you have a polarity between masculine and feminine, between the physical and the etheric body. But you also have this polarity inside your, your soul or astral body, and all of that is causing a certain amount of uh, soul searching you know who am I (laughs) in terms of this you know masculine feminine polarity Um, the problem we face of course is that there are this is a necessary process we have to go through but the problem we face is that there are dark forces there that are trying to drive their own agenda you could say in terms of uh, where this should go. You know, so they're, they're taking what necessarily has to happen, and they're driving it in a certain direction. And part of that direction has to do with, uh, you could say, cutting us off from our higher spiritual uh, forces, and our connection with the spiritual side. And you could say, kind of binding us a bit like the Matrix. Um, you know, binding us to this uh, kind of false, uh, false living, and uh, under the delusion that you know this is reality. And that's what we're up against: is that these dark forces are driving this uh, for a particular, in a particular direction, for a particular agenda. So this makes things very complex. You know, we're growing up and uh, you have all these forces operating. And of course, uh, for children and growing up, it's not a simple matter anymore. For people are growing up and trying to have relationships and navigate through relationships, it's not a simple matter anymore. So this all... Um, takes me back to the reason I kind of talk about this is takes me back to the first uh, podcast we did, Amy. And that had to do with this technology that emerged, you know, out of the uh, romantic uh, period, over 200 years ago, for navigating this very difficult process that we have to go through. Uh, That there is a technology to um, help us to remove the blockages and barriers we have. So imagine you're, you're running a race, this romantic race, but you've got sandbags on your legs and you got one hand tied behind your back and uh, you haven't eaten all day. You know, it's, it's a struggle. Well, that's effectively what you have when we look at what we talked about in the second session about karma. This is all hamstringing you, you could say, in terms of your ability to navigate, to move, to uh, make decisions that are based in reality and not illusion and delusion and uh, not be kind of uh, waylaid or sidelined by all these different uh, actors and agendas that are trying to trap you. So it's, it's a bit of an obstacle race, but there is a technology that can help you through that obstacle race. Because the healthier you are, in a true sense, not in the false sense, then the more you can separate illusion and delusion from reality the more you can separate what is true from what is false and that's what you need to do and the more you the healthier you are the more you know who you are you more the more you know what you're about and what the meaning of your life is Uh, i came across a quote recently which i'd forgotten about but i thought was a great quote by um Um, Mark Twain. And he said, there are two important dates in a man's life. Well, it meant in a a person's life, an individual's life. Uh, The day you were born and the day you learn why you're here. I think everybody knows that. Great quote. Great quote, and so and that's exactly true. Those t- are the probably the two most important days, so certainly I can attest to that. the day you actually wake up and realize why you're here, otherwise you're just going through the motions you're you're not too much different from an animal or a plant just doing their thing over and over again.
1: Well, there's no meaning in your life. there's no why that's that's your 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 juice, your passion, otherwise it's just drudgery. like what's the point? you know
0: yeah it seems like a bit of a cruel joke
1: yeah like what is the what is all this for okay but before you go on the technology the generative power what what, what is this technology just to be clear
0: yes absolutely the technology has to do with the generative power in particular okay. because yeah. the the masculine feminine polarity relates to the generative power this is our capacity to create Of course, physically, a man or woman can create a child, so that's pretty obvious. But it's also our capacity to create in the mind, and not just the brain, but the, the full body mind, which is an entirely different thing. But this is what genius does, is they use this generative power to create something that exists in the spiritual world, but doesn't exist in the actual world. So we have Steve Jobs creating the iPhone, for example. Um, we have people creating things that we we could never have conceived of without this capacity for this generative power. Now, the generative power is hobbled by your karma. So it is, you could say, it's like uh, you have a generator generating energy but for some reason it's only generating 30 percent of the energy it can generate well you can check it out maybe the spark plug needs to be replaced maybe the air filter maybe the fuel's dirty maybe you know the piston rings need to be changed you can go through all the mechanical uh questions but for us it's the same thing why are you uh, operating on less than your full generative capacity. And that is something that can't be addressed by the conventional medical system. They know nothing of that. And actually they do the opposite. They weaken your generative power with all the drugs, uh, surgeries, they just weaken your generative power. So it's like uh, making things worse over, over time. Although superficially, you might feel a bit better and get a bit relief from your symptoms. In the long run, you are actually uh, cutting yourself off from your generative power. And that's why, interestingly enough, um, we use the word uh, pharmacology and pharma companies or big pharma, etc. Where did this word pharma come from? And it's a Greek word that means sorcery and poison. Interesting well, we know it's poison. They say, well, it's, it's safe, it's safe poison. Uh, But the point is that it is a kind of sorcery. It cuts you off from your generative power, which then cuts you off from your capacity to evolve and connect, you know, even better with spirit, uh, spirit. So that's one thing. Um, The other thing is that in the natural health field, as I mentioned earlier, they don't address the generative power. They simply address what we call the maintaining power, the the power, it just keeps things rolling over and make you feel better and you know, change your diet and exercise and get more sunshine. All that's important in order to sustain yourself, but it doesn't change anything at the generative power level. And so, people are doing a lot of work in terms of once they wake up the day they wake up as as it were they start doing a lot of work exercise and change your diet i'm not going to drink so much i'm not going to smoke so much and all the usual stuff and get rid of the twinkies and uh, you know not eat so much chocolate cake but that only takes you so far um and then nothing is addressing this deeper issue, which is mounting by generation, uh, which is this this kind of corruption of the generative power that has taken place over over centuries. And so this technology emerged in the uh, in the Romantic period, about two hundred years ago, to start, fixing the standard power. Now, why did it emerge then? Well, because that's when the generator power actually burst onto the scene uh, in terms of the industrial revolution on the outside. This is where we went from arithmetical growth to exponential growth. If you know the difference between arithmetical progression and exponential progression, it's a, it's a big change. So the generative power has to do with exponential progression. So you go from, you know, almost nothing within 10 years to everybody's using it. And it's like this line goes almost straight. Like up.
1: Huge jump, like the, uh, an enormous spike. It's like a little exactly. bit, yeah.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. In, human, in human terms, if we simply measure wealth, I studied this as a historian and an economist, the line is almost straight, flat, 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 until about 1800s, and it starts going up, and now it's almost a straight line up, despite wow. the fact that it was up and down in between, but yeah. overall over that length of time. So we're in a period of exponential growth because a generative power has basically been given to us, you could say, by the higher spiritual forces, been given to us to start working with, but it's hamstrung. So we needed a technology to free so it's a different kind of slavery you know we got rid of slavery right uh you know the united, united kingdom uh enforced the uh abolition of slavery around the world and but we have this other kind of slavery now the slavery is slavery to the karma our karmic past uh, wow. so we have this burden that is like a ball and chain and comes with us everywhere and we can't escape it So we need a way of transforming that into freedom. So this is, you know, what Steiner talks about. He says the whole purpose of earth evolution is freedom. And in the sense that we become uh, able to make decisions at a level of the gods. In scripture we're told, and ye shall be gods. And so this is the idea that we become a co-creator in uh, in uh, creation with with god and so now this is a a long way off but the point is it's a journey we're on but we are at the beginning of that journey and we needed this technology to free ourselves from this karma that was corrupting and hobbling our generative power and that is uh you know of course, most people come to, for treatment because they want to get rid of aches and pains and you know, various symptoms they don't like, etc. But deep down underneath, they come to realize that this is not a simple matter of just getting rid of things. It's a matter of actually transforming you into the real you by t- taking away or transforming the negative karma, atoning for it, and turning it into positive karma.
1: So you're, you're referring to the, 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 the usage of homeopathy, the method you use. So, but are there any other methods that could possibly accomplish the same thing? Because not a lot of people know about it, and they certainly don't know your method of homeopathy, which we're going to send everybody back to your first episode, which was 175, I believe. It'll be in the show notes.
0: There is no consistent scientific method because we live in an age of science, so it has to be scientific. there is there are cases of spontaneous remission, right? So with cancer, somebody yeah, yeah. spontaneously, yes, you will find people who went through an experience in life and it changed their life, and now they've you know completely turned it around. But these are what, um, a friend of mine called white buffalo cases you know how many white buffalo are there compared to all the other buffalo out there so it's not that they don't exist but there's no certain way it's like winning the lottery well what are your chances of winning the lottery yeah, there's
1: no However, systemic method
0: there's no system yeah. this is new i agree it's new it's in early stages but that's my mission in life in a sense is to start getting the word out uh, because over the next centuries, we're going to need this kind of method, this kind of rational science to help us through all the challenges and even now that we're going through. There are no easy cases anymore. Everybody's case is very complex. And the allopathic system, the conventional medical system, has given up trying to claim the cure or anything. You know, they just really
1: <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. I wasn't aware of that.
0: Yeah, they, they've given that up a long time ago. They, they, they you know, they might throw the word around, but effectively they don't because they, even in their medical dictionary, they claim they don't even know what the cause is 90, 95% of the time. So how can you claim to cure if you don't know what the cause is? They just talk about management, uh, making things better, uh, improving, you know. But then again, that's no different from the natural health field, which is... Yeah can't claim cure. There's all about, well, we'll make things better, we'll make you feel better, or, you know, the symptoms will be less or we'll make them go away temporarily, etc. It, it's just they don't use poisons as much as, uh, you know, more gentle methods, maybe more palliative methods and suppression. But the point is, nobody has a technology out there. This is what the revelation, you could say, of this second scientific revolution that occurred about 200 years ago. That I happened onto, and I'm just promoting it. Um, this is what it's about. But look how long it takes any new invention to, you know, take place. It certainly, will be well beyond my lifetime.
1: Yes. Wow. Okay. This is. I'm just almost speechless here. Okay. So you had mentioned, which I love, um, that how the more healthy we are, the more we're able to separate in our minds, the difference between illusion, delusion, and the truth, as well as the more we can know who we are. We got we to gotta go there. Can you elaborate on that? Like, how, What is going on there, Rudy? What is the mechanism of how the more healthy we are? Because this is really a huge message of my show in Holistic Health and Wellness is we can't, we can't uh, liberate our spirit And let our souls sing and our true gifts um, emerge and flourish. If we don't have a healthy container, this is why I do what I do—to take the time to and spend the money on healthy foods and proper preparation and getting my feet in the earth, et cetera, et cetera, because. I want to access the higher levels of my being, these different bodies you refer to, and and really be everything I can be at these different levels, as I want everyone else to as well, which is why I do the show. So can you just elaborate more on how to be healthy is how we actually separate? Because I've never heard anyone say that. I love it. And also, so we can know who we truly are. What's the mechanism there? What's happening? Why is it important?
0: Well, basically, it has to do with this issue of uh, waking up that, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Mark Twain mentioned. Uh, he, he was on this, just as Ralph Waldo Emerson was on to that, is we are asleep. Okay, 95% or more, 99% of people are asleep. And I have to say, I was asleep until my early 40s. Um, and one day we wake up, something happens. And we wake up. But we have, um, and we, we kind of realize who we are, that we're not who we thought we were. So this is a painful experience. You, you, it's like you see the world around you for the first time. This is known as self consciousness. Up until then, we're not self conscious. We're not conscious of self.
1: Because Which is the story we, of the
0: Garden of Eden, the, yes. the the awakening, yeah yeah, the awakening. we're We're being run by uh, a temporary self called the ego structure. And this temporary self is not us, it's telling us what to do, uh, do this, buy this, go study this, uh, you know, it's just running our lives, and we just go through and do what we're told. You know, we think we're making decisions, but they're basically based on all this programming and patterning that we have. One day we wake up and it's rather painful. We're born again. Okay. That that term that's often used in, uh, in religion. We're born again, but this time we're born and we realize, oh, I'm awake before I was dreaming and now I'm awake. But to be awake, you then end up in a world that you don't recognize that's strange and looks different and now has a lot of barriers because you go, okay, well, where do I go? What do I do? Who am I? And so we start this long, painful journey. Now, the problem is that you can't answer any of those questions unless you have a healthy mind. Okay. Now your mind is a function of your whole organism, but it's also a function of your generative power. If you have a weakened generative power, you can't think. Okay. Now, by thinking, I'm, I don't mean the superficial thinking. Oh, I wonder where I'll go eat tonight or I wonder, you know, if I need to get some gas for my car. That's not thinking, <laughs> OK? Um, There's deeper thinking of navigating the world around you to determine what is true and what's not. So you meet someone and they promise you the world. Now, are they BSing you, or are they real, or do they have an agenda? You know, we have all these problems. Uh, you, you get a job. Uh, well, is that what I really want? Uh, is is this ethical? You know, we go through all these questions, and we don't have a good way of knowing because it's a it's a function of mind knowledge. We don't have a good way of knowing what is true and what's not until we unify and reintegrate our mind, okay? Now that has to do with the split between masculine and feminine that we talked about. It also has to do with the split between what Steiner calls the upper man and the nether man, so the instinctual man. You know you have a gut feeling i have a gut feeling this doesn't feel right and yet we often don't listen to it because it's a quiet voice now or we ignore it because of all the other pressures coming from you know the other side and the upper man which is more the intellect you know well i don't know if i should do this well are all the pros, and these are all the cons. I've written them all down, and and we tried to decide based on that. Well, that's the intellect, going it alone. It's very abstract. It's uh, subject to delusion and illusion very easily. You need to integrate those two powerfully, and when you do, you have what in Greek would be called um, noetic ideation. And noetic ideation is a capacity to see reality and a capacity to discern truth and we've lost that and this is uh, ancient wisdom knowledge you know people just knew my mother was like that she could tell if you were bsing she could tell if you were a good or bad person right away you know but she didn't know why she just knew but that's that own ancient wisdom now that is what we call the sophia this is the greek term for wisdom is sophia so this feminine capacity needs to be raised up into a modern form and connect with the intellectual mind, the rational mind, which is called the logos. And you put those two together and you have one mind. This in Greek is called uh, homo thumadon, and it means we're of one mind. And, and yet we go around saying, well, I'm of two minds on this. You know, well, should I, shouldn't I? I'm of two minds whether I should marry this person or not. Well, why are you of two minds? Ambivalent. you're ambivalent. You're ambivalent, but there's yes. this split. It's not just an expression. There's this split between your intellectual mind and your wisdom mind. Okay. And so this has to be put together, and the only way that can be put together is through this technology, you could say, um, of removing the barriers to them getting together.
1: So you mentioned we need to raise up the feminine. Okay, can, any any thoughts on how, literally how, like just for the audience and those of us who, you know, this is news to like, how how do we do this, Rudy? How do we, what does that look like to you, raising up the feminine in a practical
0: way? Well, the feminine mind, the feminine mind.
1: Okay, so the feminine mind concept.
0: Yes. Well, the the feminine mind is always trying to connect with the masculine mind. Uh, You don't have to do anything. It's like they're always trying to find each other. However, there are barriers in the way. So, it's like they're always passing each other, you know, in night and, and not seeing each other. Um, if you remove those barriers, they reconnect. There's nothing magic about it, it just happens. It's a natural law. They're always seeking to connect.
1: What would be examples of some barriers that we can relate to? Well, the
0: barriers would be uh, if you had a trauma in childhood if you got a vaccination or a series of vaccinations, if you had accidents and surgeries and took drugs, those all create barriers to your generative power, to this capacity of the feminine mind to connect, rise up and connect, and the masculine mind to come down and connect. And it keeps them separated. And then of course, we add in all the inherited karma um, that is blocking the generative power and well, they don't get together. So, so if you remove those barriers, which is a bit of a journey, you know, it's what's often referred to as the hero's journey or the heroine's journey, um, then they can be reunited and they can start, uh, connecting with the spiritual world, which is real. Like the world around us, as the ancient Indians said, is Maya. It's simply the outer appearances of reality. It's not reality itself. You know, like if I'm looking at a piano, like I'm looking at right now, I have one here. Um, piano is real. I can play music on it. It's not that it's an illusion, it's just that it's the semblance of something real. So, everything that makes up the piano is spiritual in nature. It's just been frozen into matter as it were. Okay. But everything in the material world is a frozen form of, you know, cosmic energy, spiritual energy. So you start to connect with that reality. And this is where you get genius. This is where Einstein comes up with his, you know, theorems and, and uh, Newton and, uh, and uh, the genius composers and writers and inventors is because they can connect with this this etheric this this uh, real world of archetypes that plato talks about not just looking at everything you see and Mm -hmm. it's like uh, hamlet's mother you know she um, she says um, because she can't see the ghost that uh, hamlet sees and she says, well, but I see everything there is, so well, you don't see everything there is, you only see everything that you can see from a sensory perspective. So this is why in scripture you have references to if you have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. So it's one thing to hear uh, simply music superficially, it's another thing to hear the music in its true sense, in its soul sense, in its etheric, you know reality sense, um, you hear something totally differently. It's like you gained a new kind of hearing.
1: And is that you know you're hearing it in that capacity that you're referring to? because it moves you inside, like it, it connects it, it goes to another place rather than just being a physical sensation of a sensory organ of your ears.
0: It resonates. Yeah.
1: Okay. It resonates
0: with an organ that uh, Goethe called the Gemüt, which is a, a an old German term for the the gut, the solar plexus. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and you just know it's true.
1: Yep.
0: And it's not a matter of you know I'm guessing or I think or whatever. It's a solid knowing. But that can be raised to a scientific level, actually. Um, but the point is, it's a kind of knowing that is not available for people who are just operating out of their brain or just looking at the outside world of appearances. And so yeah. the Goethean science is all about how you can know things. Um, like all the things I talk about, you say, well, you're just making those up. But no, I know them. They They resonate very deeply. And I can do things with that knowledge, like in Scripture says, by their fruit shall you know them. So I can do things with that knowledge that are real. Well, like well I can heal people, I can remove yeah. barriers and blockages, I can make things go away that supposedly are not, is not possible. Yeah. And, you know, this is to someone who doesn't see, or here in that way, it's, it's like magic. No, there's no magic involved. It's all natural law or spiritual law. But the point is, it's a different world. It's, it, and, and unless you're there, it's a bit like um, people who have near-death experiences. They know. And I can say, well, you made it up. It didn't really happen. You were imagining it. It doesn't bother them because they know. It doesn't bother me if people don't accept this or think it's nonsense because I know and that's all I need. I, I'm not trying to convince anyone. I'm just passing on what I know. But the, the good news is actually you can do work with it. You can actually do things with this knowledge. It's not just something fanciful you make up and then, well, what do you do with that? that, that the real magic is in the conventional medical side where they give you a diagnosis, but then they can't do anything about it. You know you have uh you know some condition and they give it a fancy name chronic fatigue syndrome you know in my case okay so now that well, what are you going to do to help me but well, we don't know we have nothing for you or mm-hmm. we'll see a psychiatrist or something and so that's not real is it that that term chronic everybody thinks oh chronic fatigue yeah that's that's accurate because i'm chronically fatigued so wow that's really great But it's nonsense. It's an illusion, a delusion. You can't do anything with that knowledge. It doesn't take you anywhere. So
1: So are there other options, Rudy, for us to increase our generative power on our own? Or do we have to uh, use uh, the the method of homeopathy like you use?
0: Well, there are ways of increasing the power up to a point. Um, So, for example, uh, you can find lots of books on... um, uh, the use of uh, the the uh, working with the kundalini uh, power, which is really just another term for generative power. So, how to increase the kundalini, how to not dissipate or you know damage the kundalini energy, um, etc. Um, there are ways of, um, and again, this is only for people who again are awake to a certain degree. Is is Every sexual relationship you have can either enhance or damage your um, your generative power. So if it's resonant, it's going to enhance. If it's purely by the law of attraction, it's going to damage. And uh, you dissipate that energy, doesn't add anything. So those are all things and choices we can make. The problem is, is that people may know that, but because of the the blockages that they have, they're not able to act on that. It's like, okay, I know I should stop smoking, but you can't. Or I know I should stop, you know, engaging in promiscuity, but I can't. So this is a dilemma they face. And so then you really need, beyond that point, you need some approach, consistent, you know, medical approach that uh, removes these blockages so that you can actually do what you say you you want to do.
1: Okay, so for back at the beginning when you mentioned how actually in scripture it was it was written or said or whatever the proper term is that it, it, there was the unity, there was the one, there wasn't a a gender created before another gender. Uh, etc. And that whole can of worms that goes with that concept.
0: And,
1: And so our lives then therefore are pretty much all about making ourselves whole and finding that other second half of our very selves. Is there a way we can do that, Rudy, make ourselves whole, find our other half without another human being? Is it literally have to be another person Like, can we do this on our own to make ourselves whole?
0: Well, it it doesn't always have to be with another person simply because you can go through phases of your life where you're working on other aspects of the resonance. You know, you're working on uh, your lessons, you're working on your relationship with the spiritual powers, you're working on your relationship with the earth, You know, there's such a thing as uh, geographic resonance. You know, you're meant to be in certain places and not in other places, etc. So you can be working on a lot of things. It doesn't mean you constantly have to be in a relationship. But to the extent that you're at a certain point in your journey that you need to reconnect with your other, that other is going to show up to the extent that it has evolved and in a representative way is going to show up in your life. But not until then, you could say. So you don't actually, the other is journeying and the other is going to show up in a certain form, in a certain person, in a certain individuality. Uh, on the Earth, and then you will interact with that. But if you're not ready for that, if you're working on yourself or you're working with other other aspects of your yourself, then that may not happen for a while. Yeah. so it's things happen everything happens when it's meant to happen, and it has meaning. So if it's not happening, it's because it doesn't me- wasn't meant to happen. That doesn't mean that you're not evolving or not working on yourself. It just means that at this point in that journey, you don't need that connection yet.
1: Yeah, it can be a timing issue. It doesn't mean it's never going to happen.
0: No, it will happen. But where in an individual incarnation it happens or when uh, and how often, because it can happen once, it can happen several times, um, really depends on your journey. So you're, we're promised in scripture that we will always have everything we need. So if you start from that premise, then everything's positive. Well, oh, I have everything I need. Now, of course, that takes us to the discussion we had earlier about, you know, why do we get sick? Why do we have illness? Because that's what you need in order to wake you up. If you were, had no resistance, if you had no negativity in your life, nothing would change. So resistance forces you to change. Oh, I don't like this. I'm going to, you know, work on changing. And so everything we need, we have right now. Now, as you change, what you need changes. So something will disappear because, well, you don't need it anymore. The only difference between that happening naturally on its own, because it will, and what we do is we speed the process up. Okay, Because naturally, it's going to happen at a certain pace. But if we can apply this science to it, we can speed the process up, it happens much faster, which is to be desired. (laughs) You want to, it's like if I can tell you that you can read 10 times as fast and have double the comprehension, wouldn't you want to do that? Mm -hmm. No, no, I want to read the old-fashioned way word by word. Well, it's the same thing here. You can do it the old-fashioned way or you can do it in a more scientific way. And there's a science behind speed reading. It's not a magic trick or anything. There's a science behind it, which has to do with the way the mind works and and overcoming barriers to letting the mind work in that way. Just think of people who have photographic memory. You know, that's not a trick. We all have that capacity, except that we've given it up in order to have another capacity but if we can access a part of that then suddenly we can we can read 10 times as fast and have twice the you know the uh, the understanding so it's just a technology as i say it's an approach that simply helps you go through this process much faster uh, with less discomfort you could say uh, than would otherwise be the case but you're still going to go through it Mm -hmm. The earth is evolving. You are evolving. There's a natural process. It doesn't stand still. It's just that if you can do it and move faster, forward faster, then why not?
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: It's not for everyone. Some people don't want to go. Yeah,
1: yeah. that's okay. Now you mentioned that the uh, law of attraction is more ego-based versus the law of rem- resonance, which you, uh, equate to love. Um, see, so, you know, I've, I've heard, of, this has been thrown around a lot about the law of attraction and everything, but in one regard, you can look, or it's been talked about that the law of attraction is, is resonance. Like it works because you are resonating on the same wavelength. So therefore you attract it to you because you are like it. So can you clarify that?
0: Yeah, if you define attraction as resonance, then, of course, they're the same thing. Okay. But it's important to make a distinction between a choice based on outer appearances and ego qualities, which is not resonance. Because resonance has to do with your true self. So if you're not making the choice out of your true self, it's not resonance.
1: You can't fake resonance. It's your essence. Like you just are, you're being it. You're being it, you know, like it's just who, what you are. <laughs>
0: you can, Yeah, you can't fake it, and it yeah. operates in an entirely different way than the law of attraction. Law of attraction is, oh, you know, he's handsome, he's got a lot of money, he's got uh, great prospects, he's going to be president of the United States, so why don't I hook up with him or, you know, her or vice versa? But the point is, that's attraction. That's why I make a distinction. Now, if you say, well, attraction is resonance, well, then we're left with, we need another word for this other form of connection. And I prefer to use attraction for that.
1: Sure, sure. Okay, thank you. Because I was like, oh boy, now I'm confused. All right. So, gosh, I know we're up against time here, but I would just love to hear, Rudy, how you conceptualize the, the, this concept of masculine essence and feminine essence like can you lack of a better term can you give, define it or just help us wrap our brain around what we're talking about here
0: well in its essence the masculine what we call masculine quality is active okay so the uh, the Chinese have this between yin, yin, and, yin and yang or something yin and yang um, So the masculine quality is active. It's going out there, it's exterior, it's it's doing things, it's, uh, you know, the genitalia is external, you know, all of this is very clear. Whereas the feminine is receptive. It receives, so it receives the semen. You know, it doesn't eject the semen. it has more of an internal, it's the nesting, you know, looking after the house. Traditionally, the male was out there hunting and, you know, bringing home the bacon, as it were, and the female was at home and taking care of the hearth and everything else. So, we know from tradition and history that those are the qualities of masculine and feminine. Now, of course, uh, that doesn't define male and female. So, the 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 physical male and the physical female, um, they have an internal struggle going on to define the balance between that active and that receptive quality. Now, if you have uh, a, a physical male that has is you know seventy percent masculine and thirty percent feminine, let's say that's very different from a physical male that's 60% masculine and 40% feminine. So these are being adjusted internally to the natural cosmic ratio, whatever that is. I don't know what that is, but there is a cosmic ratio between those qualities, okay? Um, And Steiner says that in the beginning that, ratio was tilted in favor of the receptive qualities or the feminine, we could say. But I prefer to get rid of that term masculine feminine because it's limiting. It's much better to see it as my active capacity and my receptive capacity. And sometimes I'm receptive, other times I'm active. Now, how much more one versus the other, that's going to vary as you grow, as you evolve, and your influences and everything else, and the circumstances. But we're heading to a world eventually where it's tilting slightly in the active form. Why? Mm. Because in the first half of evolution, from Adam and Eve, you know, but Adam, down to uh, the uh, you kind of, say, what we call the Christ event, which is this event which represented the end of what's called emanation or the descent of man, okay, what, what uh, Darwin called the descent of man. So we're descending, descending into materiality from spirit, the spirit world down into the material world. Bang, we get to the bottom, and we have to start going back up. And that's what's called the ascent. That's what Steiner calls the ascent. So we now have to go back to back home, back to spirit. And to get there, we need to have a slight preponderance of active quality, not receptive. And the shift also is taking place as a result of that from emphasis in terms of creativity from procreation. So the Old Testament's all about, you know, go forth and multiply. So making babies from procreation to co-creation in the mind. So this is reflected in uh, the earth's population, let's say. So even though it's in absolute numbers, it's still climbing in terms of trend, it's on the decline. Mm -hmm. So that in another couple of centuries, the Earth's population will be far less than it is now. Uh, You already see that in certain countries. So the point is that we're shifting from procreation to co-creation. So we're now getting into things like, uh, you know, information and uh, so war is not going to be physical so much as it's going to be about information, access to information, determining truth versus you know um, misinformation or whatever. Um, it's a it's a different focus, so not so much on making babies as coming up with genial thoughts. and that's going to lead us to a very prosperous world, even though it's a world constantly going through change and You know, for most of us going through change is very painful, but that's a necessary process to getting to this uh, world of plenty, you could say, and this world of freedom and everything is that we have to make that shift. So the problem we face now is that we've let go of, or it's been taken away, uh, the the archetypes that we had before us of what it was to be a man and a woman, okay, or masculine and feminine. You know, now we talk about toxic masculinity or, or you know, women who aren't feminine anymore, or tomboys yeah. or whatever. Um, so things are shifting and changing. The issue is not how do you define what's masculine and feminine for you in a sense, It's more to find out who you are, because once you find out who you are, you will find and create the right balance, the right ratio of masculine and feminine or active and receptive in you that represents who you are. Because just as we have DNA, so your DNA is unlike anybody else's DNA, but we could say that the right ratio of masculine and feminine qualities in each individual is unique so you have a a certain ratio that no one else has but you have to find that ratio Mm -hmm. so that's your struggle and then you will be exactly who you're meant to be and you will be okay there will be no question about what is masculine and what is feminine because you will be you
1: and how do we know when we've hit that right ratio as opposed to our well, programming, which makes us think we're
0: yes, we're well you're right,
1: really not. And...
0: you're on the journey to finding that right ratio because you have to remove all these barriers. You have to grow up and evolve yeah. and mature. You won't get to that right ratio until it's time to step into back into heaven, as it were, and oh, back boy. into the spiritual world. So yeah, it's a long journey, but the point is that when you know who you are, when you've had these barriers removed and you have this kind of rebirth, then it doesn't bother you because you understand, yeah, I'm on a journey of discovery. And just like, you know, going around the world, the early explorers going around the world, well, they're on a journey of discovery is kind of exciting. You know, you don't ask, you know, where does it end? The journey of discovery is always taking place, except it's taking place internally right now. So. All of these confusions, all of these questions disappear once you become healthy, once you learn more who you are, then you don't have questions, you just have quests.
1: And you're living, you're living more rather than, to me I hear, what I hear you saying is, rather than striving, so this basically is like so much for goal setting. Like, you know what I mean? You're not trying to look so focused on the result. And this has been a hard lesson for me is that, you know, the whole enjoy the journey message that we hear is that you're, you're living, you're not, fo- you're, you're being, you're in fully present in the moment as opposed to striving and anticipating what's coming next and what's next and what do, you, what do I, what I got to do? And what, so this is a whole different shift.
0: There's nothing wrong with thinking about tomorrow. Yeah, or but I mean, or like, you know, but worrying about It uh, scripture yeah. says, you know, that the, the, the troubles of today are sufficient unto the day. Like, you know, you don't need to start. I had a, a mother-in-law at one point who said, I have to start worrying about what I'm going to worry about tomorrow. You're going to get a
1: jump on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, but this is the, the problem is that we oh, you, you start to simply act because you know kind of what life is about. You know kind of where you're going. You don't know all the details. So you just start working on that path. And you take this step, then you take the next step, and you trust. And that's, you know, again, a, a quality of being in your true self. You trust the process because you know it has meaning. It's not a random, oh, God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Now you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But you do know that what does happen tomorrow is what you need. And so you accept it. Oh, well, you know, if you'd asked me, I would have said, no, I don't want this. That's true, you don't want it. But, you know, you could say your true self and your inner wisdom knows, no, this is what you need. You, you need to go and do this, or you need to experience this. And so then, you know, you, you have your moments of doubt and worry and, and, oh, I don't know if I can handle this but there's meaning to it you you can bear something when there's a deeper meaning as yes. opposed to just you know random things happening and god knows you know you you lose all sense of bearings you have no sense of grounding no sense of meaning
1: you see this is why i don't know how atheists can exist because you've without a sense of that grounded you can't trust because everything's random nothing has meaning i mean i don't know i'm not an atheist i guess I'm, i shouldn't speak about it but To me, it's just so much of the adversity in life and the struggles and the, it's all about without a connection to something greater and a real benevolent spirit that's got us, got our back, you know. Ultimately, love is going to win, no matter how painful all of this is, is that we we, we have, to to me, it's just, it's my lifeline. I, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't even be alive if I didn't have that, so.
0: Yeah, you have to start with trust. I don't think there's. I've ever met a true atheist, uh, because an atheist is actually somebody who believes the contrary of something. So there's still, oh. they still have a belief, it just happens to be the contrary of some other belief. And the other thing is, there it, it's not so much that the atheism is the problem, the problem is if you're a materialist, if you're a materialist, then you're totally disconnected from anything beyond the material world. And that's really what most people are. They're materialists. Now, materialists are often atheists because they simply believe the opposite of, well, there is no God. But that's still a belief because you can't prove that. Um, So, you know, at the end of the day, most of us go through a phase of agnosticism, which is simply the Greek term agnosis means, I don't really know. I went through a period of agnosticism. It's like, well, I don't really know. Now, once I know, that part of me is no longer anosis, it's it's Gnostic. It's not agnostic, it's Gnostic. It knows. And it's not a belief, it just knows. Yeah, that's, that's another part of my knowledge. But I have parts of me that are still agnostic because I don't know. And so until I know, I just suspend judgment, as it were, uh, until I know. Um, part of the problem is, is that people don't like living with not knowing. So, they can come up with a belief that fills the gap, but a belief is rather like building a castle on a sandbar. You know, if the tides change, then uh, your, your castle's in trouble. So, whereas knowledge is building your castle on a solid foundation, a rock, And uh, it doesn't change, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be there forever kind of thing. So, but you're right, it's not so much belief that's important, it's having a connection to the fact that there's something beyond this material world. And if you have that, that is enough to give you an opening into connecting to that world. If you give that up, well, then you're just you're just lost in this rather meaningless um, chance world of chance, and, and, and nothing has any meaning, and uh, you know whatever happens is just as um, meaningless as you know something else, and it's a that's a world of despair basically.
1: And I would think that would lend itself to terrible selfish self centeredness because. Who cares you know I can't take it with you, so I'm just gonna exploit the earth and exploit get get what I can for me because what's the point? What's the difference you know i mean yeah it's no... it's,
0: a, it's a world of of no values, a world of no uh ethics because nothing has meaning
1: right- mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, wow this is just, I've never heard all this stuff said in this way for sure. Uh, I'm going to listen to this myself many times. I can imagine everybody's, uh, if they're listening on uh, headphones, they just got blown off (laughs) because this is really uh, revolutionary for me. And um, are there any final thoughts, Rudy, just that would help you feel like To help people really understand what your main, the main points you wanted to get across today, anything you want to underscore, clarify at all?
0: Well, I think the the most important part is simply to start to realize that there is a world beyond our senses, that the world has meaning, that it has purpose that it has a direction and that there are forces, you could say, that are helping us, but there are also things that we have to do on our own. And once we understand that, then we realize we're not victims, as I talked about when we are talking about karma. Yeah. We're not victims. We, we, we're here for a reason. Uh, we're here to do things that we ourselves chose to do as Shakespeare said, we're the author of our own misfortune. And our misfortune has meaning, like there's a purpose to it. Our illnesses have meaning. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean you just sit passively by and just accept everything. Oh, well, that's your lot, and uh, you're stuck with it, and whatever. It's given to you to allow you to transform it, to spin this straw into gold, to change your life. That's what the the term uh, metanoia, which is often erroneously translated as repent, which is kind of a moralistic idea. But the term metanoia in, in Greek simply means change your state of mind. If you change your state of mind, then you change the world around you and different things happen. So you have all the power in you to start making these changes. The only thing I'm adding to that is I have a scientific method and approach that can help you, that can make the journey easier, more certain, and you'll get where you're wanting to get to faster in a given lifetime. It doesn't mean this lifetime your journey is over. You, You may have, you know, a long journey ahead of you still. and But the point is that there is a way of, there is a method. Uh, You know, the early Christians used to be called the people of the way. And the Greek word for way is Methodos. So that's where the term Methodist came from. So these are the people of the way. So there is a way, you could say, to help you on your journey. Not to obviate the journey, suppress the journey, or not to make us go to sleep, but to actually realize, to wake up and realize that we're on this journey and that if we, there's help on this journey, that you don't have to do it on your own. Yes. And it's far better, I can assure you, to go on that journey with some help than to do it all on your own. So.
1: That's the bottom line, 100%. I love it so much. Everybody, you've got to check out 175, Rudy's first appearance, and we get into the the, uh, generative power to help you understand. We also get into the homeopathy and the unique method that Rudy and his team utilizes. And then, of course, his second appearance, where we get into karma, destiny, reincarnation. It's just a killer episode. And I don't have the number of that one yet, but I believe it's in the high 180s. So maybe like 186, 187, uh, you can look for that. If you just put in Rudy's name with Awakening Aphrodite, those will all pop up for you. And now we got his third third episode here. Um, and of course, if this is helpful for you, share it with someone that you also think it would be helpful with and share the love and let's help everybody do this thing. So Rudy, how can people find you? How can they tap into more of you and have and utilize your unique method to help them clear all this stuff and increase their generative power and all that kind of stuff that we refer to today?
0: Well, for those who want to seek treatment, um, they can go to uh, our website, which is called myhealthplan.center, which lays out, you know, the treatment plan, as it were, the method and uh, if they want to study this more we created a program to help people study uh, this so they learn more about what we've been talking about um, they can go to romantichealthcare.com and they can look at the study programs that we offer um, again they're not for everyone but for many people once they realize what's going on they, they want to know more
1: Do you teach those? Are those live? Are they evergreen?
0: They're online. They're self-study. You get the material, uh, you get a tutor, and you can study at your own pace, basically. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, phenomenal. Okay, and those will be in the show notes. Um, Rudy, thank you so very much. Um, Other than that, any books or references for people who want more, other than taking the course online with you, just anything that comes comes to mind for for you You're, you referred to so much today but just someone wants a deeper dive on any of these topics
0: well i i published two books that you can find on amazon uh, on the history of romantic science or romantic medicine great just search under my name and history of romantic or something mm-hmm. and then any um But he wants to know more about the spiritual law side of things is to uh, read Rudolf Steiner's works. And there's an excellent uh, website, uh, rsarchives.org, I think, uh, which is all of Rudolf Steiner's lectures and uh, many of his books and things are all available online. It's a massive journey. That's why I created the course to kind of orient you in it and then you can go off and study it more but you know some people if they like to dive in and just on their own uh, they can certainly spend a lifetime reading in there so
1: so your course kind of does the legwork for us and kind of outlines it puts it together does the heavy lifting uh,
0: yeah it creates the foundation so you can orient yourself better and then go off and do more study on your own
1: well, it looks like I'm going to have to add another course to my list. <laughs> that sounds phenomenal. I really am truly blown away. This is just so incredibly deep, powerful, important, and unfortunately not very well known. But we're trying to change that, aren't we?
0: <laughs> it, it, people, those who need to find out and will find out when it's available, so I don't control that. I just put it out there and leave the rest to the universe, basically. So.
1: Oh, amen. Same here. Rudy, thank you so much for being on Awakening Aphrodite. Everybody, thanks for joining us with this journey today. And uh, we all look forward to being together again. Thanks again, Rudy.
0: Take care. Thank you for having me.
1: Okay. Bye, everybody. See you next time. Would you like to support my mission to help empower people all over the world to be all of who they truly are? If so, please subscribe to the show leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend. And if you're looking to take immediate action to align your energy and optimize your health, visit amyfournier.com. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite. Let's awaken her together in you. I'm your hostess, Amy Fournier, and I already can't wait to be with you again and for you to hear what I have planned for the next show.
2: Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. To learn more about Amy, check out her website, amyfournier.com. That's A-M-Y-F-O-U-R-N-I-E-R.com. You can also check out Amy's live and on-demand virtual fitness and yoga classes and sign up for her newsletter to receive a free mini ebook of three of her top tips for making holistic health a lifestyle. Again, that's amyfournier.com and get your ebook sent to your email immediately. Connect with Amy on the daily on Instagram at FitAmyTV, F-I-T-A-M-Y TV, and watch many of the podcast episodes and subtopic clips on her YouTube channel, which is also FitAmyTV. Enjoy, and we'll see you next time on
1: Awakening Aphrodite.